0: I don't know about you, but I've already had a celebration this morning. I certainly am so thankful for God allowing me to be here to experience today. This experience has been wonderful because it encapsulates how good God has been to us all year long. It encapsulates that even though we've been doing COVID day by day, God sees it all the way. And he's brought us from the beginning all the way till right now, and I thank him for it. Yeah, COVID, COVID can't stop God's message and God's people from going forward, and so we thank God for how he's blessed us. I want to, I wanna, before I get into this, this, this message this morning, and this morning we're going to talk about the power of love, um, but I, I want to I wanna, I wanna thank a few people. I want to thank, um, I want to thank Theris, for all the research she has done, for the year in review, for all the copious notes she keeps and all the pictures she aggravates me by taking. I wanna thank her for doing all that stuff all year long because it's only in doing that that we're able to have such a dynamic review of all the things that God has blessed us with. And it's important that we reflect on on those measures. It's important that you see how much God has blessed us, and so I want to thank Ferris. I certainly want to thank uh, Greg Splunt for all the work, Deacon Greg Splunt, yeah. I want, to, I want to thank him for all the work he's done. You saw 17 minutes of the year in review. He probably had about 20 hours of material that he had to condense down to get all of that out, and so we thank God, not to mention the manpower he had to put in just to get it there, the editing and the production, and then to get with our own Regina Waller for her voiceover. She's done such a wonderful job for so many years, and we thank you, Regina, for continuing to bless us with your voice. The year review was dynamic, and on top of that, Greg also had to take all those little clips that the parents sent of their children doing their their recitations and put them together as well, and that was done masterfully. Thank you, Greg. excellent job excellent job excellent job excellent job job. and then i want to thank um i want to thank everybody in four or five productions for all the work they do all the time they do such a dynamic job we take it for granted you know one of one of the punishments of doing a good job is people get used to it you make it look so easy that they don't know how much work you actually have to do to do it and that is not good you still ought to thankful for everything they do I want to thank Anthony for how he calls me on Sunday morning producing this service for everyone I want to thank him for that nobody knows he's in the booth and has been in the booth all year but he's making sure we line things up just right I want to thank the musical staff, for all the work that they do. God bless you. God bless you. And I'm saying that on the day that D isn't here. It's good to see you, Rem um, K. is starting a new job, because god been that kind of good to him this year. And so we want to thank uh, him in his, in his absence for all the dedication and work work he's done. And then there are others in the congregation right now who you can't see, who come every week. Karen is always by my side. Thank God for that. We thank her for that. Yeah, yeah. I want to thank Destiny for her dedication. Destiny. I want to thank Alvin, and I want to thank Jeremiah. Yes, for their dedication and coming every single week. I want to thank Anissa, who thought she had gotten away from praise dancing at the church. Yeah, yeah. Some things college can't take away from you. Yeah, so I want to thank her for coming home and getting back to work again. Thank you. It was beautiful. Yeah, I want to thank Miosh. I want to thank you for coming and sharing with us today. Yeah, bless you. Bless you for coming out. Now, you say, why are you doing this before you preach, Reverend Sparks? Because it's, this is a gift they've given us this, this gift of time and talent and treasure they've given to us. And we thank God for them, their abilities, they've given back. You know, you've seen it on TV. The little drummer boy said, I have no gifts to bring. But he said, I come and I play my drum for you. And these folk have been coming and playing their drums for the Lord and the Lord receives them, receives those gifts. Last but not least, I want you to continue praying for our friends and family who are still struggling. And have some issues going on. Please continue praying for Chandra, Chandra Spahn as she recovers. Please continue to pray for Miss Jessie, who is doing better, but was still real, real sick. Continue praying for her. And last but not least, I want to ask you to continue to pray for our brother, brother Anthony Moses, and the loss of his, his daughter. Chante's funeral will be, homegoing service will be on this Tuesday at one o'clock at Elmwood. I'm praying pray a mighty way for him. She was 32 years old. Pray for, pray for, pray for. It's a hard turn right there to get into our message. It's a hard turn as, this morning for a little while, we'll get out of here. I wanna talk about, in the continuation of our Advent series, we've been talking about four principles, four principles that, that you, you're very familiar with. We talk about hope, talked about peace, and we preached about joy. Those are four, three of the four tenets uh, in this period we call Advent or the coming. We, there's a season of expectation. Uh, we're awaiting the birth, the coming of Jesus Christ. And in this spirit of expectation, we ought to build up that kind of want to, need to, that you get when you get secular Gifts, You know, when you think you're going somewhere that you've been looking forward to for a long time, that's what Christmas is supposed to be about. You're supposed to be so excited about going. And so today I want to talk about the fourth tenet in this Advent season, and that is the tenet of love. And this morning, just for a little while, just for a little while, I know you've already been patient, but give me this. I want to talk about the power of love the power of love. Tony Evans tells the story in his book of illustrations of a couple that had gotten crossways on some issue and they were having a really, really awful argument, really, really awful argument. They were going back and forth, back and forth, and it seems as if they just couldn't get any understanding one to another about the problem that they were talking about. I mean, their veins were popping out of their heads, they were in each other's faces, they were pointing their fingers, all the kinds of things that do not make for a good resolution when you have a problem. And the husband said, I tell you what, since we simply don't seem to be communicating right now, why don't we go and take some, sit down and write out what we're saying? Maybe we'll understand it if we read it. And so both of them sat down speedily with a piece of paper and started writing on a, slip of paper, on a sheet of paper what their grievances were, or they started writing. And the wife looked over at the husband and she got even more angry because he was writing so much, she didn't understand what in the world, he's writing, he's writing. And the more she looked up and saw him writing, the more she wrote, and the more she thought and wrote. And then she got even angrier because he flipped the page over and went on the back and started writing. And, and, and she was upset because she was just finishing her front side of the paper when he was already through with both sides of his paper. And she was so upset. Now, if you're not married and you ain't been in a no relationship, you don't understand how these little bitty things can get up under your skin like this. And she was so mad, so mad. After a furious few minutes of writing, the husband finally put his pen down and looked like he had a couple of sheets of paper, which made her even more upset. Because he he seemed to have so many grievances with her. So he said, okay, let's exchange papers and see if we can come to some understanding. And they did. And she started to read his paper and immediately she was convicted. Immediately she felt, I need to take my paper back from him. Because what she read on his paper was enough to change how she saw the whole situation. It seems that while she was upset because she thought he was writing down so many grievances, she was absolutely wrong. What he wrote on his paper was, I love you. And then he wrote again, I love you. And he had taken the whole two sheets of paper simply to write, I love you and I'm sorry for everything I've done for you. Instead of listing all of her wrongs and all the things that she had done to him, he had taken the time to realize that the love he had for her could see past any problems that they might have. He took love and he built a bridge back to his wife. And that's exactly what the Lord has done for us. That's what Christmas is to us. Christmas is a time of showing us the power of love and how God has taken the power of love and built a bridge back to us. And the bridge that was built back to us just happens to be named Jesus. See if I can make it plain for you. If you look at the people around the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus, then you'll understand clearly that God is in the bridge building business. We look in order. We started out in this series, we started talking about Zechariah and Elizabeth and the ordeal they went through in having their baby. Older folk. And then we go through the, uh, the story of Mary and Joseph and what they went through in having the expectation that the baby would be born. And so you see the old and you see the new. God is drawing bridges between old and new. Not only that, or the old and the young. And then you see him fulfilling the promise of the Messiah. See that with Zechariah and Elizabeth. And then you see the fulfillment of that promise and our new spiritual future. You see that with Mary and Joseph. God is building bridges. You see the separation of the death of the past and the restoration of new life with him with Mary and Joseph. And then we meet, watch this, we meet other players in the Christian I mean the Christmas story. We meet the shepherds and the angels. We've got heaven and we've got earth connecting. God is building a bridge. We see the spirit, the spiritual with the angels and then we see the physical with the shepherds. We see the high and then we see the lowly all coming together. God is doing something here. Not only that, we see all the animals coming together because all of creation celebrates the coming of our Savior. And then we look through Matthew's Christmas and he draws into place a whole new set of characters. Luke tells one story, but Matthew tells a separate one. And Matthew brings in the Magi, these holy men who sin tended to come from so far, there's even speculation that they came from Asia in order to celebrate the birth of this king. No one really knows who they are. And in truth, historians will tell us that these Magi came not immediately when the birth was born, but it was sometime after the birth. But the bottom line is they took time. After studying, the Bible says they studied the stars and they came to a unique constellation that stood above the place where Jesus Christ was born. And the Magi came bearing gifts, these rich, clearly holy men who came on a far journey All to do what? To worship a babe. Something special is going on. God is drawing bridges. But the reason why the Magi being in the story is significant, watch this now, it's not because they're holy, it's not because they're rich, it's because they're Gentiles. They're not Jews. And the whole gospel that God has brought to us was first sent to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. Early in Jesus Christ, uh, in Jesus Christ's presence on earth, God is showing through the power of his love that I can draw Jew and Gentile together to worship the same one. And So what does that mean about Jesus? What's so important about his, about his birth? What is it that you want us to understand this morning? First of all, I want you to understand that because of the power of love, because of God's gift to us in the person of this babe named Jesus you need to know that Christ is actually God's love in the flesh. Oh, yeah, that's what he's done for us. He's given us a bundle of love in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. And he gave us this bundle of love through Mary. The Bible talks about love in so many places. Can I tell you what I've said to you so many times, if you've ever sat in one of these many, many years of Bible study with me, you've sat in church enough, you've heard me say, love is the imperative in the Bible. A multitude of evils couldn't be corrected if folk would just love one another. In your house, things would get better if you just would start loving one another. I I, I didn't say like, like is too temporal like is like too temp- temporary, like is like too sporadic. But when you love somebody, you'll put up with a whole lot of stuff. You'll put up with stuff even when you don't like them, when you love somebody. God has given us that example. He hadn't liked a whole lot of stuff that the creation he made has done, but he's loved us. And when he saw that we couldn't get back in union with us, he loved us enough to send us a bridge. When we saw that we couldn't get it right, ourselves, he made a way for us to get right. And that was by sending us Jesus Christ. Oh, he tried through the years. He made covenant after covenant with man. And he told them, if you do this, I'll be your God and I'll follow you. And and Tyrone, we tried and we tried and we could not get it together. And when he saw that despite our best efforts, mankind just could not get it together, he decided. My best example of love is to send me in the flesh to them in order to build this bridge. And so that's what he did. Christ is love in the the flesh. Why? Because Christ was sent here for one primary reason. He wasn't sent here because he was a cute baby. He wasn't sent here so we can learn about Mary and Joseph. He wasn't sent here for any reason other than to restore our relationship with God. That was his primary reason. That was the work he came here for. What did he tell his mother and father soon after he was born and was old enough to get about doing some things? He said, I'm about my father's business and my father's business is to unite you with him. That's why Christ came. That's the power of love that we celebrate during this season. The way that Jesus is has been described as a groom, who's about to be married to the church as his bride. Everything about that example talks about love. Marriage, though it's not seen as much as a good thing in current society, that doesn't change the power of the example that Christ is the bridegroom to us, the church. And even when we act ill and don't do the things that we're supposed to do, He's still faithful to us, just like Joseph. Even when he's got questions about what's going on, he still loves enough to keep on taking care of us. You know the story. Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant, and even though he knew he had not been with her, even though he knew something was up, he loved her enough not to harm her publicly. And Christ loves us that much because you know and I know, come on now, if you walk with me on this, you'll have to say church, you'll have to say bride, you'll have to say that we haven't been as faithful to the bridegroom as we should have been. We turned our backs and done some things that we've even gone after other folk and acted like he didn't know. Somebody ought to say amen to that because you know, on too many days you have fallen short of what was expected of a true bride of Christ. And yet he loves us, he protects us, and he keeps us. John the Apostle eloquently describes the love of God in the fourth chapter of his letter, 1 John. And he writes, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love. This is how God showed his love to us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. And this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that God the Father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, simple formula, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. John tells us that God is love. He personifies it. Jesus is the embodiment of God's love. Love is God's nature. It's in his DNA. He's shown it to us. He doesn't have to act like he loves us. His very core is of love. He doesn't have any conditions on that love. We are fulfilled in his love. And so our very act of loving and having faith in him allows his love, his love, to grow in us through his spirit. His love will never let us down. We can count on him. He'll always be there for us. It fulfills us, and watch this, and it fuels us. But not only that, not only do we find out through our gift of Christ during the season that he is God in the flesh, love starts to define us. People always want to stand back and see what their reputation is in the community. Can I tell you, if you're a believer in Christ, your reputation ought to be love. People ought to know that you care about other folk. I don't care how high and lofty your worldly attainments are, if you don't love folk, then it's hard for you to call yourself a child of God. Jesus brought the reconnection to us, to his father when he entered the world. When you accept him and his birth and the gift that he is, then you're showing yourself to be also connected to his father. He taught his disciples this as he left. He said, a new command I give you. The command is this, love one another as I have loved you. So must you also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Watch this now, not how many times you come to a worship service, not how many organizations in the church you lead, not how many, uh, how many chairmanships you got behind your name, or how many pulpits you go up in and preach. The imperative that shows that you belong to Christ is not how many songs you sing, it's not how much money you give, it's not any of those external things. The one that shows how much you love him is how much you love your brothers how much you take care of your brothers. And typically, that love is exemplified through some form of sacrifice. See others as equal to yourself. Watch this, that's going to slow some folk down. Stop looking down your nose at folk. Not only have people done that individually, churches have done that. Some churches have characters that look down on other folk. There are no lessers, there are no big I's and little you's. No, people are people and people come to the Lord in all phases of their lives. Everybody's not up. Some folk are down when they come to the Lord. In fact, some folk come to the Lord and get down. That doesn't mean he doesn't love you. Here's the important part. How will people know that they are followers of Christ? They'll know that they're followers of Christ by the love they show to other people. And how will people know that we are Christians? We will be identified by how we love other folk. Love is what defines us. The power of that love is strong enough to correct all that is hurting us in our community. And you know that this year we've had a whole lot of stuff hurting us you know that we've had a struggle. But none of those struggles had to exist if we would just love one another. Already they're talking about people trying to pay a high price so they can get in the front of the line for a vaccine. Already they're trying to bribe doctors. Yeah, I'll give you an extra $25,000 if you'll let me get my shot first. Already people who are in positions are having to push back against people who have power and wealth so that everybody can be treated equally. It doesn't matter that they're not on the front line. It doesn't matter that they're not dealing with people who have COVID-19 every day. Why? They don't care about that because they don't love these folks. They think they're better than these folks. And because they think they're better, they'll take whatever resources they have to push themselves to the front simply so they can say I did this. They don't care about those police officers and firemen and nurses and doctors and people who every day are out there risking their lives so that other people can live. They don't love folk. Now you and I would be naive if we think some of these folks don't go to church every Sunday. We would be naive if you didn't think some of these folk don't call on the name of the Lord. Yeah, they call on the name of the Lord when they need to, but they also call on the power of the person when they have to. That's an indication of whether or not they are in fact followers and lovers of Christ. The church hasn't always done a good job of calling this out. Sometimes we've been too complicit in foolishness like this, and people get hurt behind it, and that's why people don't trust the church. Can I tell you the gift we have again in this life is to change. We can help those who need help. We can love those who find themselves loveless. We can stop castigating people because the trouble of this world has gotten them down. We can start lifting them up. We can start using our resources to build new pathways to relationship with them. Just because somebody has a drug problem doesn't mean they are always drug addicts. Recovering means something even in church. We've got to learn how to support people under those circumstances. And guess what gives us the power to fix those things? That's the last thing I want to tell you. Love lets us cross those borders. Love let that husband sit down and write, I love you. Love let that husband sit down and say, even though I don't want to see, sit right here right now, I love you. Love let that husband write, even though I'm mad at you right now, I love you. Love let that husband write, even though I think you're wrong right now, I love you. Love trumps everything. And love will allow us to heal our country when we start seeing people instead of divisions. Love will allow us to make a better tomorrow than we have today if we start seeing the worth in people who we look down on. We know we're living in divided time, but love is a bridge to all those things. How do I know? Because it's happened time and time again. We're not the first people to experience racial strife. Love can solve that. Jesus dealt with racial strife. How do I know that? Because he taught about it every day. You heard it, you read it. The power of the parable of the Good Samaritan is nothing but a parable about the power of love over racial segregation. The Samaritans were looked down on just like we were. Jesus stepped into the fray, talking to the leaders of the church and the local establishment and said, you got to stop treating Samaritans like other people because in my story, the Samaritan is the hero and you are the one who's not doing right. That's how radical he was in his preaching. Jesus comes not to bring a story of passive peace. He's radical in his thinking. He's tearing down divisions. He's telling you that love can conquer all the problems you have, but we're coming forcefully with our love. We got to stop sitting back in love letting people get walked on. We got to start letting love help us step into the situations that people, people have. Jesus didn't only tear down the divisions of, of uh, the, the walls of divisions at his birth, he continuously reached across the breach in order to bring people together. Guess, just look, just look at the folk he surrounds himself with as his ministry grows. He befriends those hated tax collectors and makes them a part of his circle of disciples. He speaks positively about the most hated ethnic group in the community and brings them in as the heroes of his story. Jews didn't even associate with Samaritans, let alone make him the hero in their saga, and yet Jesus walks into a clan rally and tells them, your next president is going to be a black man. That's how Jesus loves folks. He tears down those divisions, why? Because he loves folk. He told his soul, his listeners, while he was walking and teaching that if a dreaded Roman soldier forced them to carry his pack for a mile, which the soldiers could do under the law, then they ought to show him how much they love him by carrying it for two miles. That's the power of love. In other words, tear down their evil with love. One of Jesus' most powerful stories tells us that he wasn't just willing to say that in the circle of his disciples, he would say that publicly. And too often we say in church what we won't say at work. Too often we say in church things that we won't walk it out in. And Jesus tells us that love is the bridge that can correct all those things. Maybe you need to start out not so aggressive in your, bridge building through love. Maybe you don't need to step outside the door of your house. Maybe you need to stay right there in those four walls and start building some bridges in your house. Maybe you need to start loving some folk who you walked on for a little while. Maybe you need to start loving that brother you haven't talked to in a little while. Maybe y'all need to stop fighting over Christmas's time past because you didn't get a dolly or a truck. Maybe you need to start, stop arguing about the house that he got that you thought you had. Maybe love can solve all of that. Maybe you need to forgive somebody who mistreated you. Maybe you need to start living in a life of forgiveness instead of letting the power of anger fuel you as you move forward. Jesus at Christmas and all the time calls us into his loving presence, just like those people came into that manger, and he shows us what the power of love can be there. Watch this now. Look at who surrounded Jesus when he was born. There were no VIP passes into the manger. Nobody from the palace was invited in. It was those lowly. lowliness. Nobody thought about him. But according to the historical record, we also showed that the Magi came to see him too. The weak, the meek, the holy, the high, they all came to see Jesus Christ across the spectrum. All creation was there with him, the animals in this lowly place. There was nothing that would identify anyone as unique. All came for the same purpose, and that is to love Jesus. Jesus' birth tore down the divisions that separated us. Why then should his life and his ministry be any different? Why should those who follow him not use the same power of love that Jesus did to bring people together? We can't come in Jesus' name and not use the power that he had to do the work that he has us to do. Love is a powerful thing. It's our weapon, it's our shield, and Jesus has given it to us. But there's humility in love. There's a willingness to have to put somebody else first. Sometimes love means taking the simple step of building the bridge as an invitation to a better relationship. I've come to tell you today that I'm extending the grace of God that he has shown to us. I'm asking you to forgive me. I've asked him to forgive me and he has granted my request. Have you done that? Have you asked him to forgive you of whatever it is that you've done wrong? Not just to him, but to anybody. Now's the time. This is a season when you can give back to him those problems you had, and I am convinced he is faithful and just to forgive you of all unrighteousness. You can claim the babe as your savior too, if you appreciate the gift that he is to this world. This is the gift of Christ. That's the heart of Christmas. The power of love is what draws us together. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all of God's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses all understanding, that you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. May God keep you, may God bless you, is my prayer today. I love you, Merry Christmas, and I look forward to seeing you in the next edition of The Cyber Sanctuary. God bless you.